always find it helpful to think of artists as illustrating stories rather than particular texts. Um, with a few exceptions, it's very hard to tie down any particular representation to, to a text. And although um, we used to think of Ovid, and Ovid's often called the painter's bible, the extent to which painters actually open the pages of the book is hard to judge. Amongst the um, images that we have from the first and second centuries, we're mainly looking at marble statues. So these are statues that Thomas Cook collected when he was on his grand tour. This is a statue of Marcius, who was a satyr whose story is told by Ovid in, in book six of the Metamorphoses. He's linked to the flutes, and some people say that he invented the flute, and some people just that he became a brilliant performer. But he was so confident in his ability that he, he challenged the god Apollo to a musical contest, which, you know, it's never a particularly good idea to challenge a god. People think that Marcius is represented at the moment when he's finished playing, you know, he's done his bit, and then Apollo starts to play, and Marcius, you know, his face drops, and he thinks, oh my goodness, I've, I've lost. And, and it's this realisation that something pretty bad is going to happen to him. Ovid only devotes about 18 lines to the Marcius story, and he doesn't talk about the contests, which we think is represented here. His account focuses on the flaying and the torture, and it's, it's a very gory scene where Marcius is screaming and the flesh is coming away, and he says um, this very evocative line, why do you tear me from myself? Now, that obviously bears very little relation to what we see here. So um, this sculptor in the second century AD could have chosen to go down a more avid Line, or he could have followed his Hellenistic predecessors who showed the moment of the contest, which was much calmer, um, and that's the route that he went down. The nature of the medieval book makes it possible to have these fabulous paintings as part of the design of books, the most important medium actually for art, certainly secular art in the late Middle Ages would be books like this. We're looking here at the story of Scylla, the daughter of King Nisus. Now, what's going on here is that King Nisus is under siege, but Megara can never fall for as long as King Nisus keeps a certain lock of hair. He has this purple lock of hair. And you can see that there's lots of different stages of the story illustrated. Scylla herself appears, well, four times in the picture. Um, as she gazes at her would-be love, she betrays her father, she presents the father's hair to Minos, she's setting sail at the end. And it's not laid out like a comic strip in a series of individual panels. Now, some medieval artists would do it that way sequentially, but this one is integrated into this very complicated multi-layered frame. The focus of this picture is very different from Ovid's focus. Ovid is not very interested in the fighting. Almost all of his version of the story is really told entirely from Scylla's point of view. So I think this kind of um, concern with warfare that dominates the picture much, much more than it dominates Ovid's telling of the story is, is one of the things that kind of shows this to be a product of its time.
The 18th century part of the collection is represented mainly by paintings and what we get here is very much the large impressive canvas paintings and um, in contrast with the classical statues in this collection these are full of colour and you get two or more, sometimes crowds of people within the same canvas. So it's a very nice contrast between the white surface of the classical marble and the single figure, and then these canvases teeming with colour. There's so many different ways of representing, say, um, the rape of Europa or the birth of Venus, that it's difficult to think of them as coming from a single source. myth was so highly valued at the time, um, it wasn't enough for a statue just to be old, it had to have its own story as well and its name. This statue is really interesting. It was made in the first half of the second century AD. When it was found though, it didn't look very much like this at all, because you can see, if you look closely, you can see um, that there are uh, joints have been made just above the knees, and then just below the shoulder here. And actually, all of this part with the tree trunk support and the boar's head was all added in the 18th century by a restorer called um, Bartolomeo Cavaceppi. Um, and he was one of the most famous sculptor restorers working in Rome during that time. Cavaceppi added the boar's head as an attribute which allowed viewers who'd read their Ovid or were familiar with classical mythology from other sources to look at this and actually situate this particular beautiful naked youth as Meliega, someone with his own story um, and own significance. Now, what Cavaceppi did with this statue is, is similar to what he was doing with many other torsos and fragments that were found around the city and around Italy, and indeed what other restorers were doing as well not just aesthetically smoothing over and filling in the lost bits, but adding iconographical attributes which made these into characters from myth and which then could be sold onto patrons who could display them in their homes and use them to embody stories.